start to put tension on my string drawback, I was like, okay, I'm gonna it. It's him. You can look at the horns when he's dead. I'm, I'm in, you know, in the zone. Let the arrow go is perfect. Uh, when they lose their front shoulders, yeah, you start, yeah, that's how you know. You're listening to the White Cat Outdoors podcast, bringing you to the table where we talk about the outdoors. What's going on, guys? This is... Wow, I forgot already. 96. 96. It was literally three seconds. Yeah. I forgot. To be fair... To, to be, be fair, fair, we're doing this after the podcast. Yeah, we're we had fun. a few beers in. Yeah, we had fun. Uh, Episode ninety six of the White Cat Outdoors podcast. I'm your host tonight, Tom. Bringing it in with me is my good cousin Frank and my brother Nick. Hey, what's going on, Frank? You're supposed to announce that you're here. Oh, my bad. I. I, I was expecting you Tom to say more than ball. what's going on. Yeah, because normally this say is, something a little this into is the all camera. me, so it's a little something into the camera. Uh, yeah, so 96, and we're... Con- we're you Tom's guys, the host. Let him do yeah, it. Yeah, Tom's the host. You take he it over. We out. got a heck of a You're story screaming. coming up for you tonight, and as you <laughs> listeners know, it's buck season, and we're bringing you here to the Deer Camp Series. Episode two of the Deer Camp Yeah, you guys have been getting outside, so we haven't missed it yet. And tonight we have a very special guest. You've heard him before, Luke Moyer. He's tagged out in PA and tagged out in Illinois with two nice bucks. Very nice bucks. So stay tuned. We're going to fill you in on the story. Luke's a great storyteller, so it's going to be a great episode. Let's see if we can get him on the phone. Ring, ring. Ring, (laughs) ring, ring, ring. Wait. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, I appreciate you guys having me back on. Uh, I'm Luke. I live in uh, southeastern PA, right along the Jersey line. Um, yeah, that's about it. Do a lot of bow hunting. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me back. Yeah, last time we had John was uh, about this time last year. You shot a really nice buck, so you're definitely <laughs> continuing to get it done. Yeah, yeah, it's been a... Uh, So I guess we'll let's start with uh, your PA buck. Uh, yeah, we got more than one to talk about tonight. Yeah, this is gonna <laughs> sort of dive right into PA. I know I I don't know too much about this buck because you've only haven't talked too much about him. Uh, but from what I understand, you had sighted this deer a little bit uh, throughout the summer, right? Uh, yes, I've actually known this deer for the last two years. This year being the third year. Um, so that kind of gave me a little bit of background with him, which was kind of nice because. Uh, it's very cool to have that kind of history, I guess. You know what I mean? It's neat to it's neat to have them around and watch them grow. Yeah, um, definitely. Last year, I mean, he was on the cameras when he was really, you know, when he was pretty small. Um, when he was a two-year-old, he was already a seven-pointer um, with, like, real tiny little brows, really tiny little crab claw on the one side. Um, so he was, I mean, he was hardly a seven-pointer, but he kind of maintained, like, a, a really particular shape. Um the following year, which was last season, um, 
he was an eight pointer, uh, still really tiny little brows. Uh, he was low on mass, but uh, he was around all the time. I mean, I saw him almost every single time I sat last year, I saw him uh, either chasing, pushing, feeding, bedding. I mean, he was just all over the place. Um, so this year, uh, I guess it was back in late July or early August, um, I was actually looking for another deer out in a bean field with my spotting scope in the bed of my truck. And uh, he happened to, he must have been bedding out in the beans and he stood up and I saw him and I'm like, wow, I'm like, I know who you are. And uh, at this point I hadn't had any cameras out yet, um, but I recognized him right away and I was like, man, I'm like, he's looking really good this year. Um, you know, potentially I was thinking that he might be one of the deer I want to hunt this year, uh, depending I wanted to get better look at him, see what he was growing up into. Um, and he hung around. I got cameras out. He started showing up on cameras. Uh, I knew he was still living there. He didn't really have any intentions of leaving, or so it seemed. Um, so by the time, you know, we were only a couple weeks away from season, he was one of two that I really wanted to hunt this year. And uh, the other buck, the other buck was a four-year-old ten-pointer. And uh, I, I, I mean, I didn't want to shoot him this year, but if I got the opportunity, I would have. Um, he's a beautiful, beautiful deer. Our neighbor hit him in the shoulder last year with a crossbow, and he actually survived it. And uh, it was just—it was very cool to see him back. You could see—you could see the broadhead scar on his shoulder and everything. Um, hmm. It was really cool. But he's a big deer, um, and for sure, it, you know, he's not quite ripe yet. He will get bigger. Um, so he's really cool to have around. So I kind of. I kind of decided that I really wanted to chase this eight-pointer. Um, I've never shot just a big, huge, heavy mainframe eight. I mean, nines, tens, elevens, twelves, and so on, but <laughs> never just a good, clean, typical eight. Um, so I thought it'd be cool to try and hunt him this year. Well, that's a tough deer to come by, really. I mean, once they start getting big enough to where an eight-point carries that kind of mass, you know, this, it, at least around us, uh, the, any big eights like that, they start growing, you know, junk a little bit, too. Yeah, exactly. That, that's how it seems to be around here, too. That, you know, they start growing flyers and, you know, their eye guards down by their eye guards. They start getting split brows and all, all kinds of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was really neat to have him just perfectly clean. Uh, it was definitely cool to see that. Yeah, I guess that's a good problem to have that you shoot so many 10s and 11s that you, <laughs> your goal is to shoot an 8-point. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't mean it to sound... Yeah, no, I'm just playing with you. I'm just messing yeah, around. No, it's, it's neat. Um, but either way, it's, it's kind of funny because uh, my fiance, she still likes to bust on me about it. But, uh, you know, I'm down in 5C, so our season opens, uh, you know, mid-September, two weeks before statewide. And uh, so, you know, I think I had checked cameras a week prior to opening weekend, maybe the Sunday before. Um, so six days before opening day, and he was there quite a bit, moving through, milling through, browsing and stuff like that. And so I'm like, all right. I'm like, I think, you know, as long as my, as long as I can maintain a northwest wind for opening day, I know where I'm going to hunt him at, and uh, we'll see. So opening day rolls around now. That evening, me and my fiance had a wedding to go to from two of our uh, best friends from high school. They were getting married. Um, so that, of course, that was not something I could skip. Um, so I went out that morning. Uh, I actually didn't even see a deer that morning. The pressure was low. It was hot. It just, it wasn't right. I should have never even slipped in. 
Um, but I grabbed the camera cord on my way out. Um, that was right there. It was only, you know, it was within 25 yards. And he had moved through there in daylight every single day for the, the, the what was it, 10 days prior or 9 days prior? Every night. Between Damn. 6 and 7. In daylight. He was still, for sure, on a summer pattern. Um, but he had rubbed his velvet off August 30th. So I was kind of surprised to see that he was still that active. Mm-hmm. So... I get back home opening day around lunchtime and uh you know she's getting ready for this wedding that we have to go to and i'm like i don't know I'm like you think you know you think josh would be mad if i just didn't show up to his wedding <laughs> and uh she's like oh, we're, we're going to the wedding i'm like all right so i spent like three hours trying to devise some kind of plan like how can i get out there and hunt this deer tonight like he's gonna show up tonight i'm not gonna be there it's gonna suck i'm like i gotta figure out a way so i came up with this plan i'm like all right you know what here's what i'm gonna do I'm going to go to the ceremony, um, watch them say I do, you know, yada, yada. <laughs> She's got a, my fiance's got a bunch of friends there. I've got a bunch of friends there, so I know she'll be okay on her own. I leave directly after the ceremony, go hunt, and come back after for the reception. You know, it was a great plan. They, they put deer. that time in between the wedding and the reception for deer hunting anyway, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. They, they call it, like, cocktail hour, but I think that's, like, code word you know yeah prime, yeah prime time <laughs> yeah yeah so <laughs> so uh i slipped in i left uh i slipped into the woods <laughs> again didn't end up seeing a deer that night um i was really bummed really confused because i was like i know i got in clean or at least i thought i got in clean everything seemed right i had the wind in my nose i didn't bump anything that i knew of on the way in everything seemed right uh the deer just weren't up um but then i kind of got nervous with myself i'm like well you know, maybe I shouldn't have gone in today. How close was he batting? I, I didn't know. Uh, so I backed out. And I decided I was going to try and start hunting the opposite side of the property, which is 56 acres. I decided I was going to hunt the other end and see if I could get them slipping around the edges. Now, this property that I hunt, um, we don't like to go into the interior of this property. We only hunt the edges. That's just how we work. Um, and in, in the interior of the property is a lot of uh, there's chestnuts. Uh, there's sawtooth oaks and there's beech trees in there so there's a lot of uh you know we have ag all the way around the outside of our property um but normally on years where it's beans they tend to eat the acorns and the beech nuts a lot harder than they would on years where the ag around us is corn um so we found this to be a pretty regular pattern so Either way, I think I hunted three or four times on the far side of the property. Um, I did encounter a couple other deer. Um, Good-looking bucks, but nothing, um, nobody that I wanted to chase this year. And so uh, Brad, my stepdad, the one that hunts the property with me, um, you know, we had kind of talked about, you know, what we were going to do. Like, he was getting a little bit frustrated. I think we weren't seeing that many deer. Um, but it's, it was just, you know, it was that time it was hot. It was humid. Things were kind of gross. Um, so him and my mom were going to Gettysburg for her birthday. Now this is, they were leaving October uh, October 1st, which was a Friday night. And they were going to be going all weekend. So the, the Monday prior to this, I'm talking to Brad. I'm like, I think I'm going to try something. Um, I'm like, I don't know if it's going to work. It's probably not going to work. Um, but I'm like, it's going to be one of those deals where, like, if it works, like, high-risk, high-reward kind of thing. You know what I mean? I'm like, at least you're not going to be hunting. I can't mess you up. Um, but I told him what I wanted to do was I wanted to go down into the middle of the property where all these hard nuts were, uh, which is just directly to the south of where these deer fed. 
in my opinion, like where I think they're betting a lot of their time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and basically, the property comes down into a big, like it's big, basically a big bowl. And actually, where all these oak trees are grown is in the bottom of this bowl. So it's kind of swampy down there too. It's wet. Um, but there's this area I call the, the Brushy Island, and it's probably a four-acre patch in, uh, off to the north side of this property that is just thorns, you know, seven foot tall of uh, green briar and just the most horrible thick brush you can imagine. So that transitions directly into Swamp Bottom, which goes slightly uphill to the south, and that's where all the hard nuts start growing. So I told Brad, depending on what the wind was going to do that Saturday, I said, I want to go down into the center of the property, in between that bedding, in between those hard nuts, right down into that swamp with my saddle, because we don't have any stands down there, we don't typically hunt it, um, just because down there in that bar, wind swirls so much. There's no good access um, without really bumping deer. Uh, you can't hunt it without your wind <coughs> swirling on you pretty much ever. Uh, so it's just not something we do often. Um, but he, he was like, yeah, you know, go for it, do whatever you want. Um, so he left, and I decided Friday night that that, that next morning I wasn't going to hunt. Uh, I was going to skip the morning hunt because trying to find my way into the middle of the property based on Onyx in the dark, uh, you can't see trees, you can't, you know what I mean? I'm like, it's just not worth it. I'm going to bump deer. Uh, I'm going to get frustrated. Yeah, you're going to do like, a lot more harm than good. Right, exactly. I'm like, I'm better off just waiting until 11, 12 o'clock, slipping down in there, and uh, sitting until dark. So that's what I did. I woke up, uh, got all my stuff gathered and ready. Uh, I headed down there to that property. I got there around 10.30 or 11 o'clock. Um, I looked at the map. I checked my wind multiple times coming up the road to see if it was consistent. Uh, I came up on the east side of the property. Uh, my wind was still consistent. So I decided I was going to come from the east, cut up north, uh, follow that north edge going west, and drop down to the south and kind of hook my way back west again once I got down in the middle. So that's what I did. I grabbed my saddle, my sticks, and I started going in. Uh, at this point, it's about 11 o'clock. Uh, it might have been about 11.30 at this point. Um, I'm getting down in there, and just as soon as I drop down into that swamp, now I'm walking, like, really, really slow. One, because it's hot out. I really don't want to sweat too bad. Um, but two, uh, I had a guy uh, a couple years ago tell me, um, you know, we were talking just deer stuff, and he said, like, always walk through the woods like your target buck is bedded 40 yards away. Like, getting in, getting out, and just tiptoe. Just be so, so, so diligently quiet. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was doing. I was just really trying to tiptoe. I kind of knew I was in the red zone. Um, so I was really trying to be careful. But it didn't matter. I ended up getting down to that swamp and a doe. Um, she was out in front of me on that oak flat. And she saw me. Uh, and she bumped out of there. She didn't blow. She didn't carry on or make any kind of commotion. Um, so I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm going to keep slipping in there. So I got right down into the edge of the oaks and the swamp. And I turned to my right, which would have been facing west now. And I see a tree following, now picture, I'm looking directly up the line where bedding is to my right. I'm right in this swampy strip. Picture it like an airstrip where the swamp, like the bottom of this property, is basically just a, a straight strip of swamp. To my right is what I call the brushy island. To my left is where the hard nuts are growing. So I'm walking down along the edge of this swamp, and uh, I see a tree about 100 yards ahead of me, and I'm like, that's the, that's the tree I need to get into right there. Well, I only made it another 10 yards maybe, <clears throat> and 30 yards to my right, a doe jumps up out of that uh, brush 
right she was right on the edge of it she jumps up and she absolutely just tears off like she scared me it scared to death it scared me to death um i didn't I had no idea she was there she just got up and took off she never blew at me never stopped she just like i think i caught her by surprise so much that she just tore off mm-hmm. um so i'm like all right well you know what i'm just that's the second deer i bumped i'm not gonna keep doing this i'm like i just need to i just need to get up to a tree um so there was a tree like five yards in front of me i quick just started slapping sticks on it real quiet uh i got up it threw my platform on threw my tether on uh came back down grabbed my bow grabbed my backpack climbed up got on <clears throat> i hooked up in my saddle and i just leaned back and i'm like all right i'm sweating it's hot out it's like 80 <laughs> degrees and i'm like oh my gosh i'm like it's at this point it's like 12 probably about 12 o'clock and I'm like, man, oh, man, I'm like, it's miserable. And I kind of just look to my left, and I look down into the oaks, and I turn back to my right, and right there in that brushy patch where that doe had just got up. And I, I'm like, I'm not kidding you. I couldn't even believe what I was looking at. This buck, uh, the buck that I went in there to get, this eight-pointer, I named him TVJ a couple years ago. Um, <laughs> where does that come that. from? There's a story behind that, but uh, his nickname was TVJ. And that was the one I really wanted to get. I get up this tree and I look, and right, five, not even five feet from where that doe just got up. I mean, it was smack dab right next to where she just got up. This buck is laying in there, dead asleep. I thought he was dead. That's what I thought. <laughs> like, he was just like his head was laying down in the mud, and like he was sound asleep. His eyes were closed and everything. I'm just like I couldn't even believe it. I'm like, he's right there. I'm like, it's 12 o'clock. He's right right there in front of me i'm like i can't even believe this <laughs> so i just i quick i quick get my hand on my bow and i'm looking and he's like he's like flat out and i'm like all right well it's it's way too thick to poke an arrow through where he is i can see him mm-hmm. but i can't shoot him and i'm like and the green briar is so tall that even if he stands up i can't get a shot at him um so i'm like all right i'm like well this is going to be interesting because i'm like now at this point the wind is blowing almost perfectly um from him to me i'm almost perfectly downwind to him um but like i said i'm down in the bowl of this property now this is not it's not at all where i expected him to be betting or the way i expected him to be coming from um so it was kind of weird for me seeing him where he was and i'm glad that doe jumped up you know how like you know everything happens for a reason they say well mm-hmm. had that doe not jumped up i'd have i'd almost walk right over top of him trying to get to that tree way up ahead of me that i like i would definitely would have bumped him um so that was it kind of worked out really good uh so at this point i have one hand on my bow and i'm still watching him and he's like he's just sleeping like he's not awake he's totally unaware that i'm there he's totally unaware that that doe even got up and ran away like it's like nothing ever happened he's just zoned out Hmm. so i'm i don't know what to do i'm like oh what do i do i'm like now i got multiple things going through my head i'm like do i get down out of my tree like he's he's you know in a coma do i climb down and try and stalk up to him and put a shot into him while he's sleeping or do i try and ride this out like for all i know if my wind stays good it's so hot out like he might not even get up until dark mm-hmm. you know what i mean and like if, if that's the case and i'm stuck here i'm gonna be stuck here for at that point it would have been like five and a half hours six hours whatever um i'm like i don't know like if my wind swirls i'm like then i'm gonna be screwed too because whether he goes left or right, I can't really get a shot at him. I'm like, it's so thick where he's at. I didn't expect that. I, I expected him to be bedding towards the west, 
and come in through the east through the oaks, and that's just not how it played out. Mm-hmm. So after about five minutes, what seemed like an hour of me having my hand on my bow, um, and I was all worked up, you know, um, I realized, like, he's sleeping. There's nothing I can do. I'm like, you may as well just hang out, keep your eyes out on him. Uh, keep looking around, make sure no does are going to come in on you and bust you and ruin it for you, and basically just wait it out, see what happens. Well, I don't know, about a, I'd say about a half hour or 35 minutes into it, uh, I feel the wind hit me right in the back of the head. Just a big, strong gust out of nowhere just hits me right in the back of the head. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, and I'm just waiting and waiting, and all of a sudden, like, he, like, it's unbelievable to me how smart these deer are and how well they can smell. But he woke up out of a dead sleep. I mean, he just, whoop, head right up. His ears went back, and he stood up, and he's looking around, and he's kind of, like, starting to look in my direction. He's got his nose up, and I, I know for sure that I'm busted. I know he's got me. You know, I know he didn't just wake up by chance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, all right, he's got me. I'm like, now what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And there was a bush right behind him, and I kept ranging it, and it was 35 yards. Now, I was doing this while he was sleeping. So I knew that he was at 35 yards. So he gets up, and this is kind of a bit of information that I thought was really interesting. Um, what I watched him do next was pretty cool. I've never seen this before. When he busted me, he didn't, he didn't make any kind of fuss. Um, he didn't stomp. He didn't blow. And I'll be honest, it almost looked like he got calmer after he winded me because he got a little frantic like you could see his head movements and his body language was telling him like he was getting ready to bust out of there quick and uh but i had no shot uh what he ended up doing was he kind of just calmed down and he just lowered his head under the brush and he just slowly tried slinking out the back door i mean he never made a peep i would have never even heard him if i was looking the other way i would have never known that he was there and going um but he was trying to slip right out the back door and i thought that was really cool um, I've never seen that before, so this kind of goes to show, I guess, uh, how they're smart. They don't really want anything to be aware of their presence, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so either way, he slips out, he starts slipping out the back, and uh, he turns and starts going towards the west, but he's kind of going southwest at this point, and I can see the direction that he's going. I'm like, there's going to be one window uh, between brush that's between me and him, and it's going to be like the size of a basketball at best, maybe like an oval basketball. <laughs> uh, I'm like, I'm going to have one shot. I'm like, I'm for sure not going to have time to range. So I'm like, I'm going to dial my sight down to 40, knowing that he was at 35, and I'm going to try and see if I can squeeze one through there if he stops. So he starts coming up on this window. I draw back, and I go, man, try and stop him and see if I could time it just right where I could get his vitals in that window. He didn't stop. <laughs> he didn't stop at all. <laughs> so... <laughs> He just keeps walking, and I'm like, well, that didn't work. But he's going southwest, kind of diagonal, quartering away from me now. So he's walking away as he's walking to my left. And now I'm, like, starting to panic a little bit. I'm like, all right, like, now this isn't good. Like, I'm, it's about, I'm not about to lose this deer, and I'm not going to have a chance at him. So he starts going. He jumps over this dead log, and now he's got, he's, like, in this Asian switchgrass, which is, like, up, I would say, is about halfway up his body <clears throat> And uh, there's, again, there's one spot that I can see him heading right towards. And I'm like, once he gets past that for sure, I'm not going to see him anymore just because there's way too many trees and branches between me and him. Once again, I couldn't range him. I just kind of took a guess. I'm like, I know roughly-ish, I'm counting his steps. Roughly-ish, he's going this way. I dial my sight down to 50. I draw back to this gate. I'm like, hey, 
and he stopped. And I just, I leaned back in my saddle, which I find myself like really steady when I lean back in my saddle. And I just got it there and I touched it off and I heard the chest cavity pop and that was it. And I'm like, I can't even, you know, honestly, I, I couldn't believe I hit him. I kind of expected <laughs> that he would duck it because he looked right at me when I said, hey. And I couldn't really aim low because if he didn't duck, I'd have shot right through that grass. And mm-hmm. chances are my arrow would have hit that or not hit him at all. So I'm like, I got to aim where I would normally aim and just hope he doesn't duck it. Mm-hmm. But he did a little bit, um, but it, it still hit him. I was really surprised. Um, yeah, and then that was the rest is history. Uh, I called my buddy Tanner. Uh, we met back where I parked my truck, and we gave it a little bit, and then we went in there, and there he was. He was dead. Um, so that was crazy. That was just a whole, a whole crazy story. I called him, and it wasn't even one o'clock yet. And I was, I was texting him the whole time I was in the stand. I'm like, dude, I'm like, he's bedded right next to me. He's like, well, shoot him. I'm like, I can't shoot him. I'm like, I, you don't understand the circumstances. I can't shoot him. Yeah. Um, so then once I shot him, I called him, and he was like, no, you didn't. I'm like. Dude, I'm like, I just, I got him. I, I, I can't even believe it myself, but I'm like, I got him. And I hear him. He's like, all right. He's like, I'll be right there. I'll be, Axel, Axel, get in the house. And Axel is a dog. <laughs> he's yelling, he's like, get in the house, Axel, get, I'll be right there. I'm, I'm coming. Like, Axel, get in the house. And I'm like, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, so I start going back to my truck. And uh, so we meet up back at the truck. And we, like I said, we give a little bit. And we go back in, and I was kind of, I wanted to show him where I set up and kind of how I did it. Um, so I bring him to my tree, and I'm kind of pointing the, re- the direction of where he's bedded. And so he walks over there. I climb back up in the tree, and I'm like, that green briar is so tall, I couldn't really see his bed. I could only see him when he was in there. Um, so Tanner kind of went over that way, and I kind of directed to where he was. And he was like, once he found the bed, he's like, hey, he's like, come here and check this out. you got to see this. I'm like, all right. So I climb back down to the tree, tear everything down, and I walk over, and I, I couldn't believe what he was betting in. Um, it looked like an elk wallow. Like, it looked like a pig wallow. Hmm. He had, like, pawed out this area in this green briar, like a little, just a little baby crop circle just for him, and he had pawed it out. There was hoof marks in every direction all the way around this, like he was digging a hole like a dog, and it was all backfilled with water because it was in that swamp. And he was laying in this water, and I'm assuming just to keep cool because of how hot it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, you know, I thought that was some really good information for the future, too. I, I've never seen a deer bed in water like that before. Yeah, I've never seen that either. That's yeah. crazy. Even in, yeah. like, swamp terrain, you know, they always mm-hmm. find, like, the high point, you yeah. know, exactly. even if it's a foot high, like, just enough to get out of the water. That's interesting that he created a little water spot maybe like you said it was just because of the hot weather we've had yeah it's been really uncharacteristically hot even so far in october and you're talking you know at the very beginning of october and it's still been 70 degrees every day almost the end of october now yeah right but i gotta say too i mean to be able to sneak in and hang your stand or saddle and sticks and everything with that deer next to you and not wake him is pretty remarkable Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) i I know I do a lot of hanging and hunting, and I'm obviously as quiet as I possibly can be, but I don't think I'm confident enough to know if I, like, obviously you didn't know he was there at the time, but like 35 yards is wicked close. close. I mean, for for you to be able to sneak up without him hearing, you know, a stick sliding down the tree, gripping in or anything like that's insane. 
Yeah, I, once I saw him, um, like when I first saw him and realized that I had gotten entirely way too close, like it was like straight panic mode, code red, like I got, I messed up. Like yeah. I am way too close to this deer and I'm in the wrong tree for where this deer is positioned. So it was like a total freak out moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, this deer, I, I don't know, he was sleeping so hard that that doe got up right next to him and ran away and like he never heard it you know what i mean or you know i don't know if he did and then just went back to sleep or you know mm-hmm. whatever but he didn't spook from her yeah. running well, so i had only assumed that he slept during it i don't i don't know it was yeah it's funny you say it, that because tom was just reading an article i think like yesterday or the day before that like the average whitetail only sleeps for like it's like 10, 10 minutes to, at a time yeah, 10 to 20 minutes at a time so for you to be able to sneak in and hang your stand at in that time for, and then for him to wake up with the wind hitting, I'm like, it's not like he's been sleeping for hours. Like you happened to just, everything was just, you know, cards Perfect. fell into place. Yeah. Yeah. Everything worked out just right. Yeah. So. It was, uh, I mean, I'm not very fast at getting my saddle up only because I like to be quiet and I like to be safe too. You know, I get nervous. I'm yeah. I, I hunt from my saddle occasionally and I still, I, even though like I know it's safe, I still, uh, I don't feel as safe as I do in my lock-on just because it's so routine. I've been hunting out of a lock-on since I was 12. Mm-hmm. So I still right. I don't have that confidence yet, so I still feel like it's not uh, safe. But, but I'm, I know I'm, what you mean. I'm the same way. I have a mobile setup where it's just a hang-on and sticks that I carry into the woods with me. And the last time I used it, I just for the heck of it, timed how long it took. And from the time I got to the bottom of the tree I wanted to be in, and to the time where I was ready to hunt, I pulled my phone out and it took me half hour to climb the tree, you know, get my bow hook screwed in, get everything hung up, ready to rock and roll. It was a half hour, but I'm like you, I like to go slow, quiet, mm-hmm. try not to make too much of a disturbance getting in there. Right, right. Yeah, I would I would say that's about what it took me too. pretty close to a half an hour, 25 minutes. And then, like I said, from the time time that i saw him to the time where he you know got my wind and stood up i would say was 30 minutes at least but i'd say it was probably more like 35 mm-hmm. that's so neat, neat was, that you're able to experience was, even just that wind change and seeing how they react because it's that's a detail that not everybody gets to see you know just how quickly you know a mature animal re- responds to a wind change and you know and not even how quickly how quietly like because you were saying like you said yeah if, you never even heard him had you not been looking right at him all day you'd have no idea that he yeah. got up and slipped out makes yeah. you makes uh, you wonder how many like mature bucks you've potentially bumped walking in that you had no idea because they just slipped out and never spoke or never like alerted vocalized it yeah, yeah. that's exactly what i was thinking like it, it does make you wonder like you know how many times have i gone in on my target buck you know thinking that he's betting right here never saw him and it's like man you know like according to everything he's been doing and the conditions like he should have been there why wasn't he there and then it makes you wonder like maybe he was there you know Mm -hmm. like maybe i messed it up and he just slipped right on out of there and i never knew it yeah and how many times do you go in there and nothing bad happens that you know of and you're like okay that's perfect i got in and out good nothing bad happened i didn't get winded nothing he had no clue even if he was there he didn't know you were there but in reality, he knew the whole time, but he just didn't let you know that he knew. Right. Well, I, yeah, it was 
very neat to uh, see that kind of thing. I don't know. I've, I've never experienced something like that before, and I might, <clears throat> I might never see anything like that again. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I ex- don't know. It was, yeah, it's very cool. I experienced something very similar. This was uh, Saturday night I was hunting, and on my dad's new farm, I put it, me and Nick put in this food plot this year, and we had this. It's a really nice, clean eight-point um, that was coming out to the food plot every time we had a west wind. And we had a west wind Saturday night, so I snuck in, and at like 5.30, I could hear these sticks snapping behind me. And I glance over and I see my target buck coming out. And he's walking kind of parallel with the edge of the food plot, gets behind me, and then cuts up like he's going to go to the food plot. And with every step he took, he was very conscious of what was going on around him. And it's so thick behind me, I don't have any shooting lanes back into the woods. My only shot is once they get out to the food plot. And he gets right to the edge of the food plot. He's got to take a couple more steps before I have a clear shot at him. Then he stops there, and he's kind of just observing the whole food plot, making sure the coast is clear, everything's good for him to go out. And I got my release on. I know he's going to come out at 32 yards. I'm ready. And at that time, our neighbor, I don't know if he had his grandkids over or what, but I hear all these little kids start screaming and a (laughs) side-by-side fire up. And this buck's attention goes directly to where all that noise is coming from. And he stood there for like five minutes and just stared. And I'm like, oh, no, this isn't happening. (laughs) And ever so quietly, that buck turned around and he didn't run away. He just quietly tucked himself himself back into the timber and walked away, which it was good for me because I know I wasn't the one that spooked him. He had zero idea that I was there. But just the littlest things can throw them off their pattern. Everything has to be perfect for them to show themselves during daylight hours. And he just, he didn't like the sound of all those people screaming and that side-by-side firing up. And he said, you know what? I'm not coming out into this food plot. I'm just going to tuck myself back into the woods and get out of sight. And That sucks, though. Think about, like... (laughs) What are the chances of that happening right when you're there and it's all about to go down and then that, something like that happens? Yeah, it was a heartbreaker. I We got pictures of this buck. I'll have Nick send you a picture of him uh, after we're done here. It's, a, it's it's similar to what you shot, just a big, heavy, tall, clean eight-point. Um, I don't. I, we've only This is only our second year hunting that farm, so we don't have history. Um, with a lot of bucks just because we're so new to hunting it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I obviously, he's not a two and a half year old eight. He's my guess would be three and a half or four and a half. Um, just judging by the length of his body and the size of, I mean, it looked like a cow walking through the woods. <laughs> he's, he's a tank, but I'll have Nick send you a picture later, but it, it, it's All a right. hell of a buck. And it, I mean, for me, I would call it a successful hunt. Just seeing a buck like that on the hoof, I was I was pretty stoked. Mm-hmm. But it just sucked oh, yeah. how it all went That's down. Awesome. That makes it so much. It makes it so worth it. Like you feel, even even just seeing them, sometimes you feel accomplished. Like you know, a lot of people don't get to see you like that. You know? Especially in PA, yeah, mm-hmm. and you're in the game. You're like you know, you're that. You know, had everything. You know, the neighbor not screwed it up for you. You know, you'd have had that an opportunity uh, yeah. at the deer. 
Yeah, but with me behind the bow, <laughs> it's done <laughs> deal. <laughs> so, so Luke, give us uh, the rundown on your walk up to this buck. So, um, basically, um, we kind of, like I said, we went and uh, found the bed, and we looked at that, and we thought that was pretty neat. And then uh, we ended up going over. We followed where I thought it ran. Um, and we didn't really find a whole lot at first. Uh, we're just kind of looking around, looking around. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he went this way, but it's very hard. Like, I couldn't even see my stand um, or my saddle platform from where we were going to. Um, actually, it wasn't even my – I had taken down my platform. It was my sticks that I was looking for on the tree still, and I couldn't see them. But I was certain that the deer had ran through that way. Um, but that just – that kind of goes to explain, like, how thick it really was and how I couldn't see anything from <laughs> really when he was trying to slip out and I was trying to get a shot at him. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went that way. Um, I'm like, I'm certain he went this way. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he did. I don't know where he got to. And then uh, all of a sudden, like he had, he really only went like 35 yards, 40 yards, something like that. Um, he didn't go anywhere at all, but I couldn't see him once he ran after I shot and I heard it hit. I had no idea where he ran to. Like I know the direction he ran to, but I didn't know how far. I didn't hear the crash, and it was too thick for me to see. So, I mean, pretty much as soon as we started finding blood, we looked up, and he was right there. It was like, no way. <laughs> so then we went, we went over to him, and uh, we took some pictures. We took a minute or two just to kind of check him out and be like, man, that's awesome, like, finally you know you finally get your hands on and it feels so good mm-hmm. um and then yeah we took some pictures and then it was the drag out was then the work started that's what oh yeah yeah <laughs> it was getting through some of that thick stuff was pretty awful honestly but it's worth it you know it was hot so we were sweating really really bad but you know all we think about after one of us in the friend group kills a bucket like oh we're drinking beer tonight you know we're, <laughs> we're calling all the guys we're all hanging out we're have a damn good time yeah exactly that's what it's all about uh did you happen to put a tape to this one luke i have not yet um if you had the ballpark where would you guess he's at i think he's somewhere i'm gonna guess between 132 and 138 i think he's somewhere in the mid 130 that's a hell of an eight point yeah Yeah, definitely that's kind of what i was Roughly, I think I was a little bit closer to 135 to 140 um, when I just looking at the picture of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Tom was like, I think all of us were somewhere right around that yeah. 130 to 140 area. Um, but I mean, that's for that's a hell of an eight point. Yeah. For even for an eight point to break 120 is impressive. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's uh, I, I'm. I think his bases are gonna go six plus inches i mean wow bases that i could hardly wrap my hands around. yeah see that's something you, you can't cans, see like... you can't see that in the picture I'll, I'll be honest with you i would not have guessed because that i'm trying to think um a buddy of ours killed a 10 two years ago now with six and three quarter inch bases it was a big 10 um so now i guess now that i can reference the size like the mass on that buck to yours um kind of get me a better idea of what mm-hmm. you're what you're holding there because you i mean you can't pictures never tell the full no story no, no they don't no so, they don't 
You're gonna. He does have those short little brow times um, because he never really, he, he never really got brow times. I mean, he had them last year. They were like half an inch. Last year they were tiny little things. The year before that they were nothing more than a bump. Wow. Um, Just his genetics didn't have brow tines in them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, big, heavy frame, long twos, long threes, and really long beams. I mean, these beams, I'm sure they're 23, 24 inch main beams, mm-hmm. but his brow tines are so, so tiny. <laughs> so I know that'll hurt the score, but that's okay by me. I don't mind. Yeah. Heck yeah. So I know you said you had a history with this deer. Is he, in your opinion, four and a half or five and a half? I think he was a four and a half year old. Yeah, that that's not very common in Pennsylvania to shoot a four and a half year old. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh well, and that I think that mass is like a a telltale sign for age too, because like I've always said, you can you can get width and you can get height, you know, in a young animal, but you never see like a two and a half year old that's just heavy like that. Like that, for whatever reason, it seems like to me that it takes those extra years to get the mass. Um, out of them like we frank killed a two or a two and a half year old that was like 140 but it's pencil thin yeah you know like you never it's really hear of... long beams long tines wide but it's just super thin so the age definitely brings out the mass in them oh absolutely yeah absolutely for sure um yeah he'd never really did he never really did have a lot of mass like i said he had like the same frame shape you know what i mean like he stayed almost identical he just continued to get like larger in scale you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um and then this year like he just got dense like his antlers just really really got solid on him Mm -hmm. um which in velvet of course he looked (laughs) he looked even bigger in velvet i'm like man this thing is a horse (laughs) Uh, and then he shed and i was still i was still thoroughly impressed at how how much mass he had but like honestly i like we said, pictures don't do them justice. And, you know, when you're looking at pictures, when I'm looking at trail camera pictures, and I'm, if it's a deer I don't know or a deer that I thoroughly don't know how old they are, I'm like, I'm doing my best to try and figure out how old they are before I really worry about how big that rack is. Because the thing of it is, you can get, you certainly can have a two and a half year old deer that has an awesome rack. I mean, it, yeah. it's very, it happens all the time. But what's going to happen is, when you shoot that deer, you're um, you're going to get ground shrinkage because what you think is a huge rack is actually on a really like small body deer. Mm-hmm. So when you get up to it naturally, that rack is going to be smaller than you thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're looking at trail camera pictures of a four or five year old buck plus, uh, and he's got a rack that's big for his body, you know when you get your hands on that thing, it's going to be bigger than you thought. Um, and that's how this was. I mean, I knew he was a buck that I wanted to hunt. Um, just because of the just because of the history i'm i'm really like a huge fan of the history thing i love that kind of i love being able to tell that story um not to say if a stranger doesn't come through that's a shooter you know i'll happily i'll shoot him but i love there's something really special about like being familiar with a deer and looking forward to him every time you check cameras and stuff um but i was thoroughly thoroughly surprised when i got up to him and actually held him for the first time i'm like that is a big big deer yeah, it's it doesn't get much better than that for just a clean eight. You know, it's tough for him to get that big as an eight point. So, congratulations mm-hmm. on that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And it sounds like you didn't waste too much time um, moving out to Illinois. I mean, how? What was the time frame from that deer until your hunt out west? 
Um, three days apart. So three Jeez. days. Yeah, so you, you basically work in. <laughs> you shot that on a Saturday, right? Yep. And then, do you drive or fly out to Illinois? Drive. Uh, I left Tuesday after work. I tell you what, I've driven out to Illinois a couple times, and once you get like west, west of Cleveland, of Cleveland <laughs> it's nothing but cornfields it's flat yeah. yeah it's it's not a very exciting trip out there <laughs> not much no, to look no, at it's pretty it's pretty plain it's pretty flat there's nothing uh nothing too special about it except for big bucks i was gonna say <laughs> yeah plenty a of lot big of bucks out there <laughs> so walk us through that um yeah let's hear about buck to, two yeah out in illinois all right so um i go through an outfitter out there in illinois um this year, it was my second year going with them. Um, last year, I didn't kill anything. Uh, I didn't even see any shooters last year. I did see a handful of bucks, probably half a dozen bucks uh, last year. I hunted for five days last year, and I did all day six. Um, and that was in October. But um, it was a rising moon um, and a red moon, which is, you know, for that first early October, um, that typically tends to get deer up on their feet. As long as you're hunting close to bedding, uh, it seems to be pretty productive for me. Um, so last year I pulled all day sits. Um, and, you know, a lot of guys last year did see shooters. I think three people in camp were able to shoot um, deer that were all 140 plus last year, which was cool. It's just awesome. Uh, somebody rolling into camp with a deer in their truck and you know everybody's drinking beer and hanging out and mm-hmm. going back straps uh, it's a very cool atmosphere because um basically all it is is uh it's just farmland it's just farms that these two guys their names are ty and brecken um and they just go and lease this property uh they hang trail cameras gather up different pictures of different bucks and when you get there you say yeah i want to go to this farm and hunt this buck and they're like all right you know um go ahead and that's, that's basically what it is. Hmm. Um, and they'll bring you there and drop you off and pick you up. And so that's pretty neat. Do they have um, preset stands or did you carry your saddle in with you? I didn't bring my saddle this year, um, but you can. Like, you can bring your own stand if you want to and look at a map and, you know, pick your spot. Um, or they have preset or uh, pre-hung sets up, too. So, like, hang-ons. Um and these guys are like legit like these guys are very smart when it comes to deer and you know how to hunt them they one lives in michigan and one lives in indiana uh, and they both kill really good deer every year um so they're, they're smart they know what they're doing so i usually trust you know what their stands are looking like um so it was yeah wednesday everybody showed up to camp we're all hanging out because we all we were all out there together the year before it was the same group of guys in camp um so everybody was like but we're from all over like different states different areas you know so it's everybody was regrouping and hanging out and stuff like that and uh normally you know the last couple guys don't get there till like 10 p.m on wednesday um and then we don't start hunting until thursday well this year um we all got out there like by 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Um, so we were all hanging out, and it's like it started raining. Uh, it was really gross weather, but it was cold. There was like a, a, a major temperature drop, 20 or 25 degrees from the previous day. Um, it was just a big cold front moving through, and that first cold front of October is dynamite. Um, so we were kind of all talking. It's like, did we get out hunting tonight? You know, like, 
kind of feel like we should, you know, like, why mm-hmm. not? I mean, we're all here. We're all here early enough. We're all settled in. I'm like, oh, why not? Um, so, yeah, we just decided, you know, let's go hunting. So we all went out. Everybody went to a different farm. Um, everybody got set up. I went to um, a, a specific farm that I remember from last year. Um, I was hunting a big six by six over there. He's just a, a typical 12 point six by six. We nicknamed him Viking. Um, he is back this year, by the way, and he would go 180 inches, probably maybe more. Damn. Um, he's a huge, <laughs> huge deer. Um, but <laughs> nobody can kill him. He's, un- <laughs> you know, he's all but unkillable, man. This deer is, he's horrible, but, um, he's a bully really. And, uh, they, they don't typically like having him on that farm because what he's doing is like a lot of deer trying to move in, you know, they'll get summertime pictures, but come that time of year where we can start hunting them, um, he's, he's just renowned for, uh, he doesn't like having other deer around that farm. He likes kind of just keeping that area to himself. Mm-hmm. He's like a seven or eight year old deer. Um, but he's just, but nobody can get him. He's, he's smart. Um, he only moves in certain directions with certain winds. He's very smart and it's very hard to get him. Do they have um, any daytime photos of this buck or is it mostly nighttime? Oh, pictures? Yeah. All nighttime. Not one daylight picture of him ever in years and years and years of getting pictures of him. But you know, he has to, he has to move during day at some point, you know? Oh, absolutely. He's got to, but wherever he's going, like he's going there for a reason. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Like he, he just, he, he won't, I don't know. He won't expose himself during the day for whatever reason. Um, so I kind of went over there in hopes of, you know what, like this is the first cold front in October. Um, I'm going to set up on some cut corn. They had just cut, a farmer had just cut his cornfield um, like two days prior. And it's weird. Uh, it's not like here at home. Like, you know, when they cut a cornfield here in Pennsylvania at home, um, like there, there's not much corn left over. Like, there's hardly any at all. It's just mm-hmm. cut and then it's done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, out there, I don't know if they have to adjust their combines or what, but I can tell you that there is, when they cut their corn, it is littered absolutely littered with corn in their fields and i think i I was gonna say a lot of that has to do with i know around here um it's big dairy farms and when most farmers are cutting corn they're cutting corn for silage so they're taking everything and they just grind it up into silage um i know out west when they're cutting corn they're cutting it for the corn to sell to kellogg's or whatever so they leave a lot more behind they're not taking the whole stock and everything with them they're just taking the corn so it ends up leaving a lot lot. behind oh okay see i didn't know that that makes sense that makes okay interesting because i've even seen it like i've even seen it on you know the uh youtube show um midwest whitetail yeah yeah i've I've watched them that's actually where the hunting public guys started they love hunting over uh cut corn like right after they cut it they'll go and sit over it that night and the next night um because the deer just like pile out to it um so that's what i was doing i was hunting over the cut corn he had cut it two days prior and he let his cows in there too uh out of this cut corn um trying to clean up what was left over because they're basically they're like goats out there they'll just eat whatever <laughs> because that's what they have um so he let all his cows out there so <laughs> these damn cows they followed me right to my stand <laughs> <laughs> and they're looking up at me, and they're mooing at me, and they're carrying on. I'm like, 
the hell out of here, you know? Like, come on, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm eager. It's my first day in Illinois for this year. I'm like, I'm just, I want a fun, like, get out of here. Oh, well, they didn't. They just kind of hung out. <laughs> so, um, it was, I don't know, I was in Stanford. I guess it was probably about three hours at this point. I think I got there like 2.30. Um, and I see uh, right across the car. Co- I'm like, so I'm in a finger. Um, I wish I could visually show you guys a picture of this map. Um, but basically picture a cut cornfield with multiple fingers that come out into it like peninsulas. Okay. Um, from, the, from the hardwoods. I was at the very tip of the very farthest finger all the way to the north. Um, that way I had a huge area basically all the way around me. It was, the finger is a brushy draw, and out there in Illinois, those deer work those brushy draws like you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just do. They don't have woods like we have. They don't have big woods. Um, so those brushy draws are normally chock full of deer. Um, so I was set up on the end of one of them fingers, and uh, I had to cut corn all the way around me, and if I looked directly to my left, I could see across the cut corn to a hedgerow, and that was 63 yards because I ranged it as soon as I got in there. And directly on the other side of the hedgerow was the neighbor's property, which was a bean field. And then it dumped off down to the right into, like, this big, thick, brushy draw, basically. Um, just a big ravine, essentially, is what it was. So I see right there last light now, sunset was 629. So legal shooting ended at... Um, 6.59. It's a half hour after sunset, half hour before. Um, kind of like how it is here. Mm-hmm. So it was probably right around 6.50 or 6.52, something like that. Um, I see the first deer of the night pop out of the neighbors. It, it jumped that fence, came across that hedgerow, and uh, and it walked out in the cut corner. It was the first deer I've seen all night. I'm like, all right. And I'm looking. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, he's a little scrub buck. I can just make out his antlers just hardly. I'm like, oh, a little scrub buck, you know. And uh, he turns and goes to the north, and I, I just watch him until I can't see him anymore. So I kind of, like, look behind me uh, all the way out to the other side of the finger, all throughout that cut corner to see if I can see any deer. All I see is cows. It's okay. And I turn back, and right where that uh, scrub buck just was, um, this buck was standing and I'm looking at them, and, like, it's getting low. Like, I, I only have, like, three or four minutes before legal shooting light in. <laughs> so it is it's dark. And it was cloudy because it was raining, so it's even darker. And I'm, like, really trying to make out this buck. I'm like, is that a shooter? I'm, like, looking, looking. And I could see him picking his head up and then going back down and eating some corn and picking his head up. And then he would take a couple steps, and he would pick his head up. And I could see the size of his frame, but I can't see his body because he's facing right towards me. And so I'm like, I don't know if this is a shooter or not. Like, I can see he's got a nice rack, but I can't tell how old he is. I can't, I don't know what deer it is. I can't even count points. Mm-hmm. And uh, all I can see was, like, the outer edges of his frame. And I'm like, all right. So I'm like, I ranged him. And, like, I, I put my range finder. I finally found him through my range finder, and I clicked it, like, 15 times just to make sure I got him. And then I pointed it up to the sky so I could read the numbers. So, you know, <laughs> I know you guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Right there. Yep. <laughs> so it's dark, and I'm like, it said 53 yards. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm not shooting that. One, he's facing towards me. Two, I can't make out that it's even a shooter box. And three, it's 53 yards last light. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, no sooner do I decide that, he takes like eight big steps right towards me. 
and then he turns broadside. So now it's <laughs> 40, and you're like, <laughs> shit, now I have to do it. <laughs> well, yeah, and he turned broadside, and like I said before, I could see his frame, but I didn't know what deer it was, how old it was, maybe that frame is deceivingly big, but he has a small body, like, mm-hmm. you know, who knows. He turned broadside out there, and his neck was just, it was his body. Like, it, he didn't have, <laughs> it was like his head and his body. That's how big he was. Like, that deer ended up going 300 pounds, which was, damn, like, mind-boggling. That's a hog. It was, it's just, those Midwest deer, man, they grow them different. I, <laughs> I ain't never seen a deer that big. I just, unbelievably large. Um, so once I saw how big his body was, I'm like, oh, that's that deer is six plus. I'm like, it's got to be mm-hmm. five, five or six plus. I'm like, that's an old deer. I'm like, I know that frame. I know, like, I know it's big enough. Uh, I still can't make out specifically what deer it was because at this point, there was three different deer running around. Um, there was Slice, there was Viking, the 656, and there was Dutton, which uh, ended up getting shot a couple of days after this one. He was 145-inch eight-point. Um, Damn. He was, a, he was a really, really <laughs> big eight-pointer. Yeah. Um, so I knew it was one of those three. But what I knew was that um, Viking doesn't daylight. Dutton is a really, really wide eight-pointer, um, like with a huge sweeping frame and like 27-inch main beams. So I'm like, I know it's not him because this deer isn't that wide. This deer is only like 17 inches wide. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, it's either the 6.56 or a slice. I'm like, it's got to be one of those two. But like Viking, I'm, I'd be surprised if Viking just came out here into the cut corn like this. You know, like I know it's a cold front. I'm mm-hmm. like, but is it like maybe it's too good to be true? I don't know. But either way, I knew it was one of those two. It had to be in my mind. I'm like, all right. So I'm like, it's a shooter. So I draw back. <laughs> I drew my bow back still sitting down um, because I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll be good. I drew back, sat down, or I sat down, drew back, and I stood up to, you know, I always shoot standing up. When I tell you that my knees were clacking together so hard, <laughs> like, it was, I could not believe how excited I was. I, normally I can keep myself together, but for whatever reason, man, I guess just being out in Illinois and the whole hype of it, you know, yeah. everything. I was, I was just jacked, dude. My knees were just pounding. So I'm like, I got to sit back down. I can't shoot like this. I can't. <laughs> so I sat back down, and I, I kind of got myself steady again. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, here we go, baby. This is going to happen. I waited for him to put his head back down. He did. I touched off. And I'm not shooting Luminox. Um, they don't shoot really good with my arrow setups. They shoot low. So I don't shoot them. And uh, I, hear, I hear it hit. He jumps up, and he mule kicks, and he runs straight the way he came he jumps that six foot fence back onto the neighbors and he just disappeared he's gone i can't see him anymore (laughs) but the one thing that i noticed i couldn't see where the arrow hit i couldn't see my arrow fly i couldn't see where it hit i just knew that it hit him i knew that he mule kicked and i watched him tear the hell off like he didn't stop to look back like he tore off Mm -hmm. so i knew i hit him good ish um but the one thing that i did notice was when the arrow hit it was like a very dull thud and I know, like, you have your chest cavity and your, your abdominal cavity, and there's mm. a lot of air and a lot of open space in the chest cavity. So, like, you know, when you double lung a deer or you heart shot a deer, yeah. you pop that chest cavity. It sounds like popping a balloon. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like almost like a hollow pumpkin is what we've always described it as. It, yeah, exactly, just like that. But the abdominal cavity is so packed tight full of guts and intestines and the liver, like, when you hit there, it's just like a very dull, like, boom, yeah. you know I mean? like it doesn't yep. sound like it is. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it sounded, and I'm like, oh, oh 
and I just hit him in the gut. So I'm like, did I just gut shoot this deer? And I instantly started thinking, I'm like, it was too dark. And I'm like, I shoot far um, when I practice at home. Like, all summer long, I just love shooting out to 100, 110. I just love it. It makes my close shots easier. But one thing that I'm, like, very careful of is I'm not torquing my bow with my hand, and I'm always watching my level. Mm-hmm. And being that he was farther out, like, after I shot, I realized, I'm like, I look at my level, and I'm like, it's way too dark to even see my level. I'm like, of course I didn't look at my level. It's too dark to see my level. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, that's not good. I'm like, but I was also, like I said, I was just jazzed. I was, I was all pumped up. I'm like, I just made a bad shot. I get, that's what it comes down to. I, yeah, I your mind always goes to the worst place when that sort of stuff happens. You immediately think the worst thing happened. You gut shot the deer, you missed or whatever. You, know, you're, you just immediately think something bad yeah. happened. Yep, exactly. So I was like, oh, no. I'm like, that's not good, you know. So I called Brecken, um, the one guy out there. And I'm like, hey, man. I'm like, I got like 2% battery on my phone. I'm like, I don't know what time you came um, or what time you planned on coming to pick me up. And I'm like, I just hit one. I'm like, it's either Viking or it's Slice. And he's like, oh, sweet. Like, he was all pumped up. And uh, I'm like, oh, I hit guts or, you know, just somewhere back because um, I got that dull thud. Um, it just didn't sound like I popped that chest cavity, but I couldn't see my arrow. So he was like, all right. He's like, well, I'm not going to be there for like another 45 minutes or so. And at this point it was already pitch black. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to get down and try and find my arrow a while and, uh, kind of just see what it tells me. But it's also out in the middle of a huge cut cornfield in the dark. (laughs) And everything looks the same out there. I'm sure. Exactly. There's really nothing to reference where he was standing. Um, so it probably took me 20 minutes just to find my arrow. Um, but when I did, it was drenched, like dripping in blood, which like totally to my surprise, I'm like, Whoa, I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's a lot of blood there. And like right point of impact, there was, there was just blood sprayed, sprayed out like all over, um, the corn stalks. And I was like, all right, all right. And I'm looking at it and I'm like really looking at it. And I'm like, all right, it's definitely, it's liver blood. It's got brown grit in it. Real dark. Um, and it did have a little bit of gut sludge on it. So I'm like, all right. I'm like, well, I'm like, at least I got liver and it wasn't just pure gut. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's, I mean, either way it's a dead deer. I don't want it to die slowly, but at least with liver, it's going to die faster than it will. Um, just being a straight gut shot and we got a better chance of finding them too. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brecken came to pick me up. Then I, I threw my arrow, um, on point of impact. I just kind of stood it up so we could find it. And uh, Brecken came. I met him at the truck. And uh, he was like, yeah, he's like, let's go back to camp, grab a beer, grab a bite to eat. He's like, we'll talk about it, and then uh, maybe we'll come back and start track later on. And I'm like, all right. So we get back to camp, and I'm already like, your mind just starts starts wandering, really. You don't, you're kind of doubtful. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a weird feeling. Yeah, I'm it's very disheartening. It is, yeah. You just... They're very unsure, and, like, we got back to camp, and everybody's like, oh, you know, what deer was it? What deer was it? What deer was it? And I'm like, I don't know, guys. Like, I'm like, I think it's one of these, too. Um, and they were like, was it a big one? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, it was like it was good Definitely one. big. And they, were like, <laughs> and they were like, well, you said it was low light. Like, are you sure it was a good one? And I'm like, shit, like, now you're getting in my head, you know? Like, stop. Like, yeah, no, this isn't I'm helping like, at all. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not. I'm in Illinois, man. I'm not going to shoot a small deer. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, 
like, all right, we're just asking because, you know, like, you're also in Illinois. You're excited. It's low light. Like, you know, did you shoot a good one? I'm like, man, I'm like, now y'all are getting up in my head. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I'm pretty sure he's not a good one, but I don't know. You're freaking me out. Um, so that was kind of, that made me sweat a little bit, too, because I'm like, you know, did I get excited? Like, I started to doubt myself. I'm like, maybe I did shoot a small one. I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I did. Um, so then we, we started talking about it, and I'm like, I don't know, like, I'd probably feel more comfortable leaving that deer um, overnight. Uh, that was the other thing I forgot to mention. Shortly after I found my arrow, um, there's a lot of coyotes out there in Illinois where we're at, like a lot of them. Mm -hmm. um, shortly after I found my arrow, right down there in the neighbor's draw, right where the deer ran to, I heard coyotes just start, you know, like just yipping and howling and mm -hmm. carrying on. And I would say it was only 200 yards away. Like they were fairly close to me. And uh, I'm like, oh, that, that sucks. I'm like, man, the deer's probably dead already, and they're already chewing on him is what I'm thinking, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, we're talking about it, and I'm like, man, I'm like, I heard them coyotes. I'm like, if we wait till the morning, he's going to be all tore up and chewed up. I'm like, that sucks, too. Like, I don't know, but I'm like, I'd also, I don't want to bump this deer. Like, I feel more comfortable if we just wait till the morning. I'm like, mm -hmm. it'll be what it'll be, you know what I mean? I'll salvage what I can if that's the case. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, all right. Well, then... What I didn't realize was that it was supposed to rain more that night. And when I like when I say rain, I mean it poured cats and dogs all night long, all night long. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Like now I'm like sick. I'm sick to my stomach. Oh, we ain't never gonna find this deer. Uh, that just you know that's the worst thing you could ask for when you already have a deer that's gonna bleed minimally. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is just gonna be a mess. I'm like, I already hate this. So, Bracken had an idea. He's like, all right. He's like, this was at, I don't know, this might have been at like 3 a.m. Because I didn't, I just kept waking up. I slept in the living room that night. I'm like, I didn't even go to my room. I'm like, screw this. Like, I'm like, I can't sleep. I'm, I just kept waking up. I'm like, I'm just going to lay here and just watch YouTube videos of liver shots and see, <laughs> and see what their, like, finding ratio is. Like, am I going to find this deer or not? So, Bracken wakes up, and uh, he sees the lights on downstairs. So, he comes down, and he's like, look, he's like, I have an idea. I'm like, all right. He's like, why don't we call Tracker John and have him come with his dog and try and find a steer? Now, I don't know if you guys, you guys watch like Bowhunter Die, um, Bowhunting.com, uh, Midwest, I know you guys watch Midwest Whitetail, Drury, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, there's this guy in the Midwest, his name is Tracker John, um, and he tracks deer for the Drury's, for Lee and Tiffany. Um, he's just like the best of the best out there, I guess. Um, He's just this, this old freaking mountain man. He's wild, I'll tell you what. Um, <laughs> it was, so he was like, why don't we call him? And I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, Tracker John, I'm like, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be expensive, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, that's, uh, like, seriously expensive. Like, this dude tracks for the jury. I'm like, this ain't no joke. Like, this guy, I'm sure he could find it, but oh, my gosh, like, mm -hmm. he's going to be paying for two hunting trips just paying this guy to come out and uh, look for this, you know? <laughs> So he gets him on the phone. He's like, hey, John. He's like, um, we shot a deer, yada, yada, yada. He's like, all right. Well, he's been really, really slow this year so far just because it's been so warm. Like, he really hasn't had too many people calling him. Mm -hmm. um, like, uh, I keep in mind, this guy, he told me that he's been between, I think he said, between eighty and 90,000 tracks with his dog. Wow. Like, this is what he does for a living. So, like, he's got serious experience. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's um, seen it all. 
Exactly. Like, I don't, I can't imagine one scenario this guy has not experienced. Um, so we're talking, he's asking me, um, you know, what I think I give him the best description of what I hit as, you know, from what I could tell him, like, I, like I said, I couldn't see my arrow, but the arrow blood says liver. Uh, when I heard the arrow hit, it sounded bass. Like it all kind of makes sense to me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And he's like, all right. He's like, well, we've been really slow so far this year. Um, he's like, and I just got a new puppy. He was training it. So he ended up only charging me a hundred dollars. Is basically what I'm getting at. Damn. Um, which was awesome. I'm yeah. Like, yes, dude. <laughs> and I think I think at that point he was staying somewhere. I think he was somewhere in Missouri when we called him. So he's like, yeah. He's like, hundred bucks. He's like, I'll, I'll I'll be out. Um, me and Will. Wait, and so hundred bucks, and he drives from Missouri all the way up there. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was like, I thought it was going to be like thousands. That's seriously what I thought it was going to mm-hmm. be. Yeah, I mean, a hundred bucks know. for that, I'm sure, like, a, you're, oh, that's a no-brainer. I mean, even probably three, four hundred dollars would have been a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it does, for sure, exactly. I'm like, I would have done what I could have afforded to find this deer. He just happened to be, because he was slow and he's trying to train a new puppy, he's like, you know, he's like, here's, you know, a hundred dollars. Um, he's like, I really want to get my dogs on the track. I'm like, oh, yes, you know, like, this is awesome. <laughs> and, um. Also, through, like, the Outfitter, they do kind of, like, an insurance program where, like, you can pay ahead of time. Um, so, like, if you shoot a deer with them and, like, say you you get there to camp and you have not gone hunting yet. Um, and, like, if you shoot one, they, they explain to you, like, if you shoot one, um, like, if you pay us ahead of time, if you give us the money ahead of time, it's like insurance money, so you don't get it back if you don't shoot one. But if you give us a certain amount of money now, which is cheaper than his normal rate, and you know, and you end up shooting one once you start hunting, if he has to come out, he'll do it for a lower price. But if you don't pay the money right now as insurance, and you end up shooting one, and he and we have to call him, and he has to come out, drop of a hat, it's going to be a lot more money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I ended up just getting lucky in my case, and the guy is a really good guy. So I was like, all right, this worked out really good. Um, so he gets there and. Honestly, like, I feel, in my opinion, the guy is famous because, like, <laughs> everybody out there knows who he is. Like, like I said, like, the Drury's and Lee and Tiffany. I'm like, that's so cool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, like you're famous. I just want to shake your hand and get an autograph or something. <laughs> <laughs> so he meets us. I think it was, like, 730, about 730, 745. He finally gets there. And uh, he's kind of shooting the shit. And I'm, like, oh, I'm just, like, all excited. But I'm also nervous. I didn't sleep. Um that's the first deer I ever had to leave go overnight. Um, so that's the first time I ever got to experience that kind of feeling. So I was not, I was not a happy camper. I was just blah. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't feeling it. And uh, so finally, he's like, all right. He's like, well, you know, I'll follow you guys over to the farm, and uh, you know, we'll get Willa on the track. So we get over there, and at this point, it's been 13 hours when we get there to the farm. It's been 13 hours since I shot. So. We start tracking the dog or the deer. Uh, he gets his senior dog Willa on it, and she she picks up on scent right at point of impact, but she keeps wanting to take him the wrong way. And he was like, "Is this the way the deer went?" And I'm like, "No." I'm like, "It went actually like the opposite way, and it jumped the fence onto Kim's side." And he's like, "Okay." He's like, "Well, he's like, I'm gonna let her work and try and figure it out because like normally I guess the dog can pretty well figure it out on their own. You know what I mean?" Mm-hmm. Um, so he just kind of let her go. And then finally he's like, all right, he's like, where'd you see it jump the fence? And of course we had to get permission from the neighbor as well. I should add in there to uh, mm-hmm. track onto their side. 
so we had to wait a little bit longer in the morning for them to wake up and call them so we could ask. Um, but they were really nice about it. Um, so we just picked the dog up and put it over the fence where I saw the deer jump the fence. And in- instantly, the dog just takes off, tears off across the neighbor's infield. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, she's got the scent. He's like, stay like 50 yards behind me. Keep looking for blood. He's like, I'm going to keep going with her. He's like, if you find blood, um, stay on it until I you know, tell you to advance with me. I'm like, okay. Um, so me and Brecken stay back. And uh, she gets on it. She goes down. She runs all the way across the neighbor's bean field into the neighbor's draw where it drops off down into that ravine. So I'm like, okay. So he advances us all the way up to the wood line. And we get up there, and he's like, oh, my gosh. He's like, what is this dog dragging me into? <laughs> and it was so thick. It's kind of like what I said my eight-pointer was in, like just thick, thick, nasty green briar and locust trees, which have those, like, six-inch thorns on them. And yeah. Stuff like that. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're nasty. Yeah, it was uh, it was nasty down in there. So I'm like, yeah, it makes sense that a deer would go down in there, you know, to die. Mm-hmm. But uh, so they go down in there, and like they're like ten yards in front of us, and so thick we can't even see them anymore. We just hear them crashing through the brush. So, and at this point we had no blood either. Um, I should add, um, no blood. So we're just going solely off of that. He has us stand there. They go down in there, and, uh, you know, two minutes turns into five minutes, turns into ten minutes, turns into 15 minutes, and, like, we haven't heard anything over the walkie-talkie. We can't hear them down in there anymore. We can't see them. I'm like, what's going on? Like, you know, did they find it? Did they not find it? Like, I'm, I'm freaking out a little bit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so about 15 minutes goes by, and uh, I hear something behind us. So I turn around and back the way we just came from the bean field, from where I first shot him, um, here comes John and his dog again and i'm like oh that's not good he's like yeah he's like she couldn't find it down in there she was just doing real tight circles he's like so i brought her back out to the original track and we're gonna try again so now i'm getting like super super nervous yeah like i said it rained, it rained all night and like if his dog can't find it there ain't nobody's dog is gonna find this thing you know what i mean yeah exactly so i'm bent out of shape and brecken's like oh you're fine he's like they'll find it they'll find it I'm like all right i'm like all nervous and uh, so they go back down, back past us, back down the same trail into the thick stuff. They disappear again. And they're down there for another 10 minutes. And all of a sudden, I hear John yell, Oh, oh Willow, Willow, get back, get back. And I hear him start yelling. He comes over the walk and talk. He's like, It's alive yet. It's alive yet. He's like, oh, get man. Get down in here and shoot it again. Now, at this point, it's been almost 14 hours. It's been like 13 and a half, 13 and three quarter hours, almost 14 hours. The deer was still alive um, down in this horrible horrible thick nasty stuff and it's funny because the the dog actually knew it was down in there the whole time but the whole area was so saturated from deer scent they were within five yards of it the first time like five yards 15 feet um the first time they went down in there and they never saw it um because it it stayed hunkered down it never got up it just laid there and Mm -hmm. let them walk right past it so you know john's under the impression that his dog can't find it but really i think she knew it all along Mm-hmm. Um, but she couldn't she couldn't pinpoint it you know what i mean yeah well this time around she got it and they walked right up to it and boom it just jumped up right in front of them but it was so thick that it was all you should have seen it it was all tangled up in the thorns and where it was it had dug out like this big a big crop circle probably 10 foot by 10 foot circle and it was laying right on the edge of that and it jumped up to run away and it it was like all tangled up in the thorns it was like it was just making horrible noises it was all nasty so I ran up quick to it, and uh, I shot it again, and uh, and then it died. You know, probably within 20 seconds it was dead, and that was it. And then it was like, 
it was so hectic and so crazy in the moment. Um, we all just kind of like took a knee, took a breather. Um, I'd say my adrenaline was probably going more crazy in that moment. Like I can't explain to you. I wish I had worn a GoPro for this. Yeah. Um, but my adrenaline was probably going crazier during that part of the track than it was after I shot the deer. I mean, it was just absolutely wild. It was emotional. It was just crazy. Mm -hmm. um, so we kind of, you know, we sat there with it for a minute. And then I look at John and I'm like, we look at it and we rolled over and like, it was like a straight liver shot, liver and gut. And John's like, I cannot believe one. He's like, I can't believe the size of this deer, like the body, body size. Cause like I said, it was huge. It was just enormous. Well, and for and a guy like, well, that's seen that many deer tracking and stuff to say that it's a big deer should tell anybody listening that it's, it's a big, a giant. It's, a, it's a big, big body deer. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I thought too. I'm like, man, like he he knows a big deer when he sees one, so he knows. I know those big, those Midwest deer are bigger than what our deer are here, but I mean, this thing was just so big. It, it, its head was bigger than my boot, like by a long shot, like six inches longer than my size 12 boot. <laughs> it was just so big. Um, but either way, he was like, I can't believe this thing still like was still alive. Yeah. Like it, I mean, that was a liver shot. Like you, like you were dead on with it. It was liver and it was gut and it was everything that we thought it was. He's like, but it was still alive. So here's where it gets crazier. So like I said, he had that big circle all around that, around him and that stuff like matted down and dug out. All around him, like 365 degrees all the way around him in the mud was just packed. I mean, packed down with coyote tracks. And John starts talking about, like, we were all talking about, like, how we think that adrenaline kept that deer alive all night. Mm -hmm. Because there was obviously coyotes circling him, trying to get him. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Man, that he is insane. He must have just been tipping his head down all night and just rearing him off and keeping him. Because he wasn't chewed up one bit. Like, he was, he was honestly, he still had a good amount of energy in him. Like, like I said, he jumped up. Like, he stood up. After 14 hours, he still had enough energy to stand up when we got there. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing that those coyotes were just on him, probably until we tracked it. They probably ran off when we tracked it. But I'm guessing that those coyotes were on him all night trying to get him. He thought that maybe adrenaline alone kept that deer alive. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It makes I, sense, I but it is like, insane. Yeah, it is, yeah. I feel like uh, every, every deer I shoot, it just comes with like a, a crazy story. But this one, <laughs> I think, has to take the cake because I'm like, that's just... Every every part of it is just new to me and wild. Like I'm tracking dog and the leaving deer overnight. Like it was all a whole new experience to me. Mm -hmm. um, and then I certainly didn't expect to find it alive. I felt I felt horrible for the deer. I'm like, man, what a miserable miserable night he must have had. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Fighting yeah. for his life in every way. He's wounded fatally. He's trying to chase coyotes off from eating them alive. Like that must have just I felt bad. Um. But yeah, so then that was that was that, and we we drug him out, and that took four guys to drag him out, switching <laughs> on and off about every five yards we had to stop. <laughs> we could hardly move him. I mean, it was. We spent probably about a half an hour digging a trail first, like matting down a big trail through that mm -hmm. thick brush to get him out. And then when we started dragging him, it was like five yards, and you were like, "Woo, okay, guys." You're <laughs> up. It was. Oh my gosh, it was. It was crazy, but yeah, and that was. Like I said, I mean, that was only, when I shot him, it was only uh, four days apart um, from when I shot my eight-pointer in Pennsylvania. So it was like dream season, dream yeah, season. Yeah, definitely. Craziness.
Well, definitely. And congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was, uh, oh, man, I was tickled pink to finally get one in Illinois. It was like, it was just so cool. I've always wanted to get a deer out in the Midwest, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and that was just really, really cool. I was so happy. And it turned out that it was neither Slice <laughs> or Viking. It wasn't either of those deer. But it was an 11 point. It was a big mainframe 10 pointer um, with a split brow. He had three different kickers coming off his one brow tine, um, a kicker on his G2, a kicker coming off of his main beam. He had all kinds of cool stuff going on. Um, but no, none of those kickers were large enough to score. Mm -hmm. um, none of them were over an inch. They were just essentially just little triangles. Yeah. Um, but we did, we did put tape to him, and he was 147 and 3 eighths. Nice. Nice. So a heck of a he buck. He didn't hit the 150 mark, but he's still a big old deer. Yeah, it's a hell of an animal. Uh, are these, either of these bucks something we can look forward to watching on your YouTube eventually? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I got lazy with it, man. I got lazy with the filming, um, like, right, right off the bat. Uh, this summer, I said, you know, like, last year I skimped out on the film. Um, so this year I'm like, you know, I really got to get back into it. Um, I got everything ready to go. I bought a whole bunch of new gear for it. I was just trying to get myself excited for it. Uh -huh. And uh, like two hunts into it this year, I'm like, I'm over it. Like, I'm like, I just, I feel like I'm impeding my chances of shooting my target buck by spending all that extra time to mm -hmm. set up my camera arm and really try and self-film. And uh, I got lazy with it. And I'm sad that I did that. Um only because, you know, both deer would have made for some incredible footage. Really. Yeah, you've had yeah. a hell of a season so far. It's a shame you didn't get it. But, you know, like you said, you may not have had those opportunities had you been trying to film. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I can't force myself. Like, there's so many guys on YouTube and so many guys on TV that are, they're willing to let that deer walk mm -hmm. just to get the footage. Like, if they can't get the footage, they will not take the shot. And... Yeah. I'm just, I'm not that guy. Yeah. Neither am I. Yeah, not I, even close. <laughs> yeah, I haven't killed yeah, enough big bucks yet to stoop to that level. Yeah, for me, it's more about, uh, you know, it's more about hanging out with my buddies. The celebration factor is always just amazing to me. Like, it's mm -hmm. by far my favorite part is celebration and hanging out. And uh, I don't know, I just, I, I got lazy with it because I thought it was affecting my chances and I just, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to screw it up. Uh, on my target box by having a camera but i do wish i had it um i am going to ohio november 5th through the 16th this year um and i will be bringing the camera gear with me and i'm gonna do my damnedest to try and get some film <laughs> well now um, you got the pressure off you got two big bucks down already so you can kind of ease off and make sure the camera's rolling this time <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's true it, it does feel good to have the monkey off your back but I'll be mm -hmm. honest, I'm a little bit bummed out. I mean, you know, deer are starting to move big time down here at home. Um, all of my buddies are starting to see some really good deer. And I'm like, man, I'm like, <laughs> I wish I was out in the woods with you guys. I'm like, it, that sucks. Um, but I do, I do plan on filming for a couple of my buddies. And my fiance just got into bow hunting this year. Um, we got her hooked up with a compound. She didn't. She was dead set against using the crossbow, which... I that's awesome because <laughs> she knows how i am with crossbows and she i don't think she wants to use one just because of me um, <laughs> but she she does really really good with her compound now we got her a little uh a matthews mission and okay. she does really good with it and she's very excited to get out there so we're gonna spend a lot of time now um 
our work schedules are crazy, but we're really going to try and spend as much time as we can trying to get her one. Um, so I'll be filming all of that. I'll be filming for my buddy Isaiah in New York. I plan on getting New York tags. Um, I'll be filming for Tanner. I'll be filming for my other buddy Austin. And then I go to Ohio in November. So hopefully between everybody, I'm hoping that, you know, we are able to get some good footage and I can start working on that YouTube stuff again. Um, but I do wish, I do wish I got some videos of that to share with everybody, but it is what it is. Yeah, pictures do a good story. Uh, yeah, you got the story out of it. You're a good storyteller, too, so it, it helps paint the picture even if you don't get the footage. Yeah, and I don't know I don't know if it's the same for you guys, um, but I have noticed with deer uh, that I've shot in the past while I was filming, um, you either get one experience or the other, or at least that's how it is with me. Like, um, when I film it, when I film when I'm like so focused on the filming and then you know the hunt's over and you know my buddies are asking me like you know what's the story like that's always one of our first questions to each other when mm-hmm. somebody tells one it's like oh I want to hear the story like how'd it go down yeah and like when I film I end up having a really hard time remembering the hunt like we can watch it but I don't remember what I was thinking I don't remember what I was feeling I don't remember what was going through my head and how I was reacting like I don't remember any of that I only remember the shot because I can watch it again. Mm-hmm. And um, so I kind of experienced one of those things where, like, I get one experience or the other. I either get the film or I get the memory part of it, which it might sound kind of weird, kind of dumb, um, but I've just noticed that my memory, I don't know, I just I'm, I don't get the memory of the story the way I do when I film it. Yeah, I, I guess um, I... Because I'm so focused on filming that I kind of forget to pay attention and remember what's happening. Yeah, it's, it's tough for me, to, I guess, to weigh in on that only because I don't have a whole lot of kills on camera. So it's, I guess, like, I, I for the longest time, I never filmed. And then last year, I got into filming, uh, and I self-filmed just a doe kill so far. Um, but I guess I'll have to pay attention to that more and see if there is a difference. Because you bring up a good point. When you add the camera into the realm it's a whole other thing you're thinking about and you're not necessarily as present as you would be if you didn't have a camera. Exactly. Exactly. Present is the perfect word for it. You're just not, um, you're there, but you're not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. I'll have to watch out for that. Um, and maybe the way I film, maybe that's why I'm not feeling like I relate to that only because, you know, I usually film zoomed out and just try and capture the shot more than anything um versus like getting like a perfect you know zoomed in on everything i just keep it wide and deal with it later um right but i also i I don't really film you know for anything more than i guess the reason that what inspired me to start filming was you know you go back to camp and somebody says oh you're never going to believe what happened in the woods today or whatever like you know i hear so many stories and i even start so many stories with you're never going to believe this or whatever so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to bring a camera. So now when I say, like, I saw this giant, you know, this morning, you know, you know, there's always, oh, maybe he didn't really see it. But now it's like you film it. Um, so that, I guess that's what got me interested in doing it. Right. Yeah, I mean, filming is, it is very cool to be able to go back and watch that. And I'm sure, you know, as we get older, um, going back and looking at those consoles from when we were younger, it's like, oh, that's cool. You know what I mean? That's super cool. Yeah, I was talking to a guy recently, probably last week, about, you know, like, filming hunts and whatnot. 
um, and YouTube channels and that sort of stuff. And I, like, I always look back at, you know, my grandpa and my dad, you know, they had like photo albums and there's all like, there's these old photos, they're blurry. There's, you know, and there's not really, if you're lucky, there's like a date on the back and that's like all you have. But like with our generation, I feel like we have an opportunity to like preserve the full story to look back on, you know, later, you know, cause like, I, I, my dad's got a picture, um, of bucks he's killed out West or turkeys he killed out West. And there's like, all it is is like him standing there in the snow with a buck or with a turkey. And it's, there's nothing, there's no story. And like, eventually, you know, he's not going to remember the story as vivid as he did, you know, 20 years ago when it happened. So I think the, the footage can help uh, preserve that story a little bit better. Right. Yeah, no, I agree with you for sure. But I, I, I do have to agree with you when it comes to, I'd rather kill it than film it. So, so oh, yeah. it's, yeah, you can't, uh... I can't, I don't think I'll ever step away from that because I'm, I just, that's more important to me than getting a perfect shot. I feel like I can turn the camera to me after the shot and fill you in on what just happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, congratulations again, Luke. That's a, like you, like you said, a dream season, you know, to, and it's not even over. We're, we're like mid to late October. And you've still got two more states to go after. So, like, I, your season's not even over. Um, so I hope you continue to get after it and, you know, hopefully we'll have yeah. you on again talking about a third deer down. Oh, man, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I appreciate it. I, I like coming on here and talking about it. I mean, telling the story over and over again, I could just do it over and over. I just love it. I feel you there. Yeah, we definitely love hearing from you because, like Nick said a little bit ago, you're a great storyteller and you really put people in the stand with you the whole every step of the way. So it's great to hear your stories of every buck you kill because it it really puts everyone way into it, and you're just a phenomenal storyteller. And we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. All right, Luke, we'll uh, we'll let you go. I appreciate the uh, time and. Good luck on the rest of your season. We'll we'll stay in touch, buddy. All right. Well, thank you, guys, and uh, good luck to all the rest of you, and I hope to see some pictures from you soon. Heck, right. yeah. Thanks, Luke. Thanks. All right, guys. Take it easy.